0: Hey good people, this is Jerry and I Down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow and have impact in the world. So hey, it is Saturday morning at 12:01 a.m. It just it just passed midnight and I've been up for a couple hours cuz I came home from work and went to bed. And so I am up, my mind is uh processing a number of events and um, i have a list that i want to share with you i want to say i also have a list from two days ago and um, i'd love to come back and try to tackle some things on that list but for today or for this recording i have five things on the list um, that came to me this morning and i'm going to share that with you on a second Okay, I'm back. I always laugh when I say hold on because, again, you guys don't know that I put you on hold. I don't even need to tell you that. But, anywho, I had to go get the paper with the list. So, what I want to do is, as customary for this project, I want to read the things that were on my mind this morning. It's just a list of five. You know it can get it can get up there. But um, So, I'm going to read the list and then I'm going to do my disclaimers. And then I'm going to move into some type of reflection and we're going to see what what comes out of it okay all right so here we go number 1 self as an illusion of oneness self as an illusion of oneness number 2 the analytical treatment of fi let me say that correctly the analytical treatment of my fi number 3 my eight as a larger, p- I'm sorry, my I, this is a longer one, so hold on, I was trying to abbreviate it, but let me just read it as it is on the paper. My eight is a larger part of me as it taps into my historical human self. I don't like it. Myers-Briggs is new, newer. I don't like this at all. I don't like it at all. I think I'm gonna just call that number three. Let me start that. Let me start that one over. Number three, eight as the historical me. I think I want to do that. Eight as the historical me. We'll see what I do with that. Number four, the letter and job security. That's number four, the letter and job security, and then number five. Ministry. I actually have a few different things listed as number five, but I'm gonna summarize it and call it ministry. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those five things. Self as an illusion of one, of oneness. Self as an illusion of oneness. The analytical treatment of my of I. Eight as the historical me, the letter in job security, and ministry. All right, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ eight. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I play around as identifying as a critical race feminist because I want people to know that I have an intellectual sensitivity to power as relating to race, gender, sexuality, class and some other stuff. I'm a trained and practicing educator And social scientist of about 30 years. And half of that time has been in leadership. This project is unedited and is unscripted. And if you want to know more about it and me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. So I did that under five minutes. Smoking. Anyway. (laughs) So anyway. All right, you guys. So let me... um, let me just think where I want to start because I always say where I start is where what drives the entire reflection. Even though I'm, I can pull pull them in. Um, I think I'm going to start with number one. I'm going to start with number one. So we'll see the self as an illusion of oneness. So um, I've been doing a lot of reflections lately on on the job. You know, um, starting with the reflection that I entitled "The Assignment," which talks about me getting a new a new job within the organist, same organization that i 've been with since August of last year, so i 've not been with the organization for a year, and um, in February, I got an you know a new assignment it 's a new it 's a different job, but i 'm the same me, or am I? And so, um, it's an interesting thing for me to really wrap my mind around. I haven't, I'm, you know, we have a, I have a vacation coming in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to have a week off. But I'm going to use that time to really, really think about what this shift really means for me because I don't have time to think that through uh, just because of the nature of, of the assignment. So, anywho, I. <laughs> Oh, my gosh! there's so much to say. Um, So before I took this aside, um, I would say December. Around November, December, I really started um, feeling challenged about. I just was feeling challenged as related to. Leadership. And um, so ironically, when they put me in a leadership position, uh, um, let me say this differently, because I was already in a leadership position. When they took me up a level or two in leadership, it was kind of ironic, because I have been wrestling with that. The reason why I say, I, I shouldn't say ironic. I should say it was spiritual, because that's something I'm thinking about. It's spiritual because i had been like really really wrestling with my relationship to the idea of leadership and in you know in november december and then for them to put me at a higher level of leadership just really kind of feels like i said weird, ironic and so those are those are usually the words i use instead of saying spiritual because saying spiritual is so irrational and so weird and ironic really helps is another way of saying it's another way of saying it anyway 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 so i don't want this to be about this i don't want to start off talking about leadership per se because i don't think this is what my point is about the illusion of of oneness in the self i bring up the job though because in this next level of leadership Um, It really has reminded me of who I am at my core. And which is probably why I was so spiraling and so irritated when back in November and December and January. And so being in this position has just kind of helped me to see what's naturally in me. Like what someone came to visit me on the job, two people. One person said I looked happy, <laughs> and another person on another day said I had a glow. And they were surprised that I had to, uh, that, that I walked into this job in the middle of the year, like in the middle of, missed Like I didn't walk into this job having time to prepare. I had less than really 12 hours, and I literally just walked in the job. And I walked right into the leadership role, and I don't think I could have done that had I not had the leadership in me. And, and it's so funny because if you go back to an uh, reflection I did at, earlier in the year of last year, I talked about how it's hard for me to see myself uh, as a leader. Isn't that? And so I think that's one of the reasons why I started adding it to my disclaimers. I've spent. You know, I've been in edu- a social science, what do I say? I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist. Half of that time has been in leadership. I started that disclaimer as a way to remind myself that even if I don't see myself as a leader, I'm doing the work. And so I, I you know, if I was talking to somebody else, I would be like, if, if somebody else was telling me that they were having a hard time identifying as a leader, I would say the reason why you're a hard time is because, and I would connect it to something in the matrix in the social world. I'm pretty sure that has a lot to do with it. I think the other reason why I have a hard time identifying as a leader is that my type eight, the Enneagram eight, you know, people say that uh, type Eights are comfortable. Like they like control. And there's, you know, there's no way I can deny that. Like, after the past two and a half weeks, there's absolutely no way I can deny that. No way. But I, um, I, I all, I ultimately, I think I like control so that I'm not controlled. I don't know if that seems like a play on words, but for me, I don't want to be controlled. So the control I want is not really over people. I always say this. I want to control structures so that I'm not controlled. Now, I will admit that while I'm controlling structures so that I'm not controlled, there are people who aren't structures bound who are going to feel uncomfortable with my leadership type because they don't want the structures in place. And so I've been thinking a little bit about the J's and the P's. And and I took over a site, a building, if you will, that um, I believe they're J's. I believe a lot of the people in that building are J's judges and as it relates to the Myers Briggs system, but not not but and as Jays with the previous leader, they were running the leader, like they were telling the leader what to do. And that's not terrible. I mean, I'm I'm not. It doesn't work for me. But if the organization runs, when I say the organization, I'm going to say lowercase O for the organization, not the. Not the the major organization, but the major organization has sites, multiple sites. I'm going to call that lowercase O organization. It could work. It could work where the people, where the workers, are running the show. They run the agenda. I actually like that idea. I like the idea of workers being in control. Believe it or not, even though I'm an eight, even though I like control, it's because, and this is the point that I'm trying to make about eights. We don't like an imbalance of power. We, we don't like people to be exploited by power, especially when we're functioning on the higher end of our eights, on our, of our eight. We don't want it to be, we don't want people to be exploited or harmed by power. There's a lady who is working for me right now, uh, and she is a, um, she, <laughs> I'm laughing at you guys because I got so many thoughts in my head about this. She's a two, and she, she, she told me she, she took the test I you identify as a two. And so I, and she and I were bumping heads a little initially when I got there, like she was really flexing up on me. And then once she told me she was a two, it made perfect sense why she was, how, for me, why she was flexing. And she was trying to probably be protective of other people and seeing that I, perceiving that I was, could be a threat to them. And so then she dropped from her two to her eight. Because in the, in the Enneagram, that pathway is five, eight, two. I don't know where the two goes. And it doesn't start with the five and it doesn't end with the two. But for me, because it's my pathway, that's how I look at it so as an eight I disintegrate to the five or I integrate into the two so the two would then disintegrate to the eight and I don't know again where the two goes from there I should go find that out that's interesting so she was dropping down into an eight and I'm trying to go up into a two and and so I told her that and she was like oh so I think we, I don't think we're like harmonized, you know, I don't think so. But I think we have a, I just think we're in a better, I think, I think we're in a better place than we were the first week I was there. So we'll see. Um. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, my mind is racing. So anyway, why am I telling you guys all of that? So I don't really, I I don't need to control. Like I, as an eight, I want people to feel really to be in control of their own person. The way I know to do that is by way of structures, and I don't know if I think that's where the INTJ part of me comes to play. I'm a systems person, and everybody's calling me a systems person. And I, it's so weird like Everybody's like you're a systems person You can put in systems, you can put in structures And there's part of It's like we all can put in systems and structures What do you mean? But I think this is the point The point where I'm saying about How the previous leadership ran My, Where the people were running it they, they they weren't running that site Based on any kind of structures But they were controlling it Because they were jays. They couldn't be TJs. Guess what they were probably, most of those people are, FJs. And I'm telling you, y'all, I'm telling you, that FE, extroverted feeling, is just a beast. It is powerful. It is just a powerful function because I look at control through structures and systems. So when I see the absence of a structure and system, I don't see control. But see, that FE will come in and go, you might not see the structure in the system, but there's control here. That's not true, because I don't think an FE will acknowledge. Okay, here it is. Okay, this is the other piece. Not only does an FE not need structures for control, the FE is not even going to acknowledge that it's in control. The FE person is not going to even acknowledge that they are doing control work. They're not even going to acknowledge it so i know of control in two ways acknowledging it and through structures so fe is a definite blind spot for me you guys it is a definite definite blind spot for me because it just looks like these people aren't trying to control but they are very very much trying to control so anyway <laughs> i let me keep so anyway so i'm in this role and um And I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to control you because that's my philosophy, is to let people control their own person. So because my philosophy is to let people control their own person, like I'm going to have some structural controls, I'm going to have some structural boundaries, but within those boundaries, you do what you need to do for you. It looks like I'm hands off and then I'm going to eat and my subtype is is social which i cannot fully reconcile that with the intj like i can reconcile the eight side of me and maybe maybe okay that's not true maybe i can reconcile the subtype eight with the uh the so, the social subtype with the intj but it's a it's a stretch it's a stretch for now it is but anyway that is what I am I'm a social subtype eight and I'm an intj <laughs> so um so the social subtype 8 is called friendly now this is I've said this to you guys before but I've I left it uh, I, I said it in a not so clear way or not so complete way and here's a more complete treatment to being a social Subtype eight. We're called friendly. There's another word I can't think of it, another descriptor that's given to us. But it's not that we're really friendly. But when you compare us to the two other eight subtypes, self preservation and sexual, so the self preservation 8 and the sexual aid, when you put us in that next to them, we are friendlier than those other eights. Because eights, eights are antisocial. And so when people say an eight, you, as an INTJ, you can't be an eight, that doesn't even make any sense. Because INTJs can be antisocial too. It just doesn't make any sense anymore. The more I'm really studying the Enneagram eight, the more I'm going... To people who say you can't be an INTJ 8. I'm like, what? Anyway, I'm not going to do that right now. What I am going to say is. um, So the 8 is considered to be antisocial. But the subtype social 8 is not as antisocial as the other two subtypes. Which is why we're called friendly. Friendly. Now, here's another level of this. And I don't know what you guys would think about this. Or what a person who's, like what would Dr. Beatrice Chestnut say about this? Because she's the expert. I wonder, I don't. You know what? Something is coming to me right now. I'm having a breakthrough right now in real time. So I'm gonna say this in pencil so that I can come back later and change it if I need to, because I haven't had any time to process this. I I'm let me say it. Oh god, I saw so many things going through my head right now. I wonder about the subtypes. Like are you, okay, here's a question I would ask Dr. Beatrice Chestnut. Are you your, your number, you know, and then you evolve into a subtype? Or does your subtype determine your number? That does that sound like, okay, you got, uh, I don't, I have not even talked about the illusion of the self, but okay, we're here. We'll, we're fine. <laughs> You're like, but are we? (laughs) Okay, just bear with me. I remember reading an article that talked about the Enneagram and the subtypes. There are some people who think you are, it's not about your number. It's about your subtype. And in some ways, I think Dr. Beatrice would, Chestnut would agree with that. But I thought I read somewhere that, or heard her say, you're, you're the number first and then the subtype. I feel like I'm not making sense. Okay, here, let me try it this way. There are three subtypes. Social, self-preservation, sexual. There were people, there was an article or somewhere, somebody was making this argument that it's really about you being one of those one, no, do say subtype. It's really about you embodying one of those instincts, either your social, self-preservation, or sexual. And then you take a look at what your core motivation is as it relates to the nine numbers in the Enneagram. That what is first What, what, who you are is an instinct first and then a motivation second. That's so interesting. You guys, I like that actually. I don't know enough about those other numbers to, to um, say anything. And here's why, here's why I don't want to lock that in because the eight type is an instinctual type. Now that sounds weird for an INTJ Because INTJs are very calculated Right And that is true But there is a part Of Every person that is instinctual Because We have a historical self And I'm now getting ready to I'm tapping into another number on my list So I started with number one which I haven't talked really gotten into it yet, believe it or not. Number one, self as an illusion of oneness. But this idea of the instinctual, uh, the Enneagram, the instinctual part of us is the historical part of us is related to my number three, eight as the historical me. What that means is, because you guys, you know, I've been studying a lot of other, looking into a lot of other worldliness content. Um, Some of that is due to my dad passing and just really trying to make sense of that, you know, when someone you spent a lot of time with was here and now they're not. I start crying, but and I just read something some recently that when you lose a parent, that's when you start you have your 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 um your sense of reality starts to shift. They they gave a couple other uh, losses that if you once you lose this relation when some when the person who occupies these this Relationship passes. It has a fundamental impact on your sense of reality. I believe I read that. I believe so, but I've already started into, I had already started intuiting that just because I don't think the same. My dad died in September. I don't think the same I- about reality. Seriously, I don't. But anyway, I, have, I really have digressed here. I don't know. No, I don't even know where I was at. So let me just start talking somewhere. Oh, I know where I was at. So I've been looking at a lot of otherworldly content, just trying to trying to reorient myself on what is reality, and um, and not interested in going back to other other text from the past. Like I need some new information (laughs) to consider this idea of what is reality. And so part of this content that I've been taking in lately is really about the evolution of the human species about I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even have the vocabulary for it. I don't even want to try to sound smart. I was listening to one of the teachers teach this week, and he was making a case about how you sound smart. And he's like, you sound smart by just having a vocabulary. So he was helping the students brainstorm a, a list of words that they could use when they write their argument. They're learning out of, they have to, they have to, uh, write it, make a case. They have to make a scientific argument. And he was trying to help the students. And this is middle school, by the way. And I think this is a sixth grade classroom. Uh, he was trying to help the students to be better prepared to make a strong argument by, because the, the more, uh, the greater access to vocabulary you have, the smarter you sound. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a good idea. That's such a great way to approach this Conversation It's a really, really good idea. Um, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. Why did I say that? So I don't have the vocabulary bank to talk about this. But in the content that I'm taking in, I don't see a unified self. I said that. Now I'm back to number one. <laughs> you guys are I'm a little bit all over the place, so just bear with me. And then I gotta really try to figure out I need to I need to land settle into one of these points. I feel like I'm still circling I'm still trying to not circle. I feel like I'm still trying to get off the runway. Normally, I get off the runway, I get to cruising altitude and the reflection, and then you'll hear me say, "Okay, I got to start landing the plane." I am still trying to get. In. I am still trying to get off the runway. <laughs> so anyway, maybe we'll see. Um. So we are a compilation of thoughts, of feelings. Right? We know that. See, and the Myers-Briggs gives us that. And not feelings as an emotion, but feeling as in how we judge those emotions. How we make meaning out of those emotions. How we situate those emotions. Those are your feelings. and our thinking the Myers-Briggs doesn't tell you about your instinct it doesn't I think you can have a preference that you're so grounded in a preference where it might look like it's an instinct but it's not an instinct because an instinct is beyond the rational oh my god this is so good Myers-Briggs is about well, well I guess I'm going to contradict myself because you have a rational function and an irrational function ok let me use a different word let me not say rational cognitive It's the Myers-Briggs is about your cognition which is why I call it a cognitive orientation but we have an instinctual self beyond the cognition. There it is, and the Myers Briggs does not capture that. That's why you really shouldn't just use the Myers Briggs. Uh, the guy I like to follow, um, I talk about him often. The INTJ academic, he did an from uh, uh, YouTube content. I think I may have reflected on it, but he said, "No, no, I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't." To, if you're gonna pair multiple systems, be careful in how you pair them. So he, I, I didn't listen to all of it, but he made a, an argument that you can put these two systems together, and here's why. But you can't put these two systems together. And I think I, I remember listening to it going, being in agreement with him, like feeling like what he was saying it was in was parallel to what I think about the two systems that I put together but anyway I, anyway. so the Enneagram I, I, I don't know if I know the Enneagram 8 is about instinct but I wonder in this reflection if it's all about instinct maybe the 8 is more instinctual than the other types, but um, I don't know. I don't know because if the enneagram is based on this three subtypes, um, excuse me, the three instinctual ways we show up, the in, excuse me, the three instinctual ways we survive the way we do survival, sexual, social, and self-preservation, then that would mean we all, in that system, all those numbers are instinctual because it's based on all three of those, how all three of those act out in an instinctual way. Excuse me, it's based on how all nine of those, that's right, how all nine of those types act out in an instinctual way I, I want to do some reading on that Like could we say the Enneagram Really taps into the instinctual self Here's the caveat to that Because I also believe the Enneagram Is based on how we were socialized In our childhood Well if that's a, Instinctual is not socialization Instinctual goes beyond How you've been socialized Is deeper than how you've been socialized. The social when you're socialized, that's how you've been groomed or indoctrinated by various social institutions: family, education, religion, media, government, blah blah blah. Church, religion—did I say religion already? But you get what I'm saying. That's a grooming experience. Experience that's an indoctrination. That's not instinctual. Now, you may have been groomed so well that you, are, you become automated. But that automation isn't necessarily instinctual. This is so interesting to me. For me, I don't know what it is for you. <laughs> but anywho. that instinctual self, I want, I'm believing is pre, pre-birth. And that takes me back to the archetypes. I don't know. But I saw my dog do something last night. I could say last night because now it is 1240 in the morning. So a few hours ago, maybe 7 o'clock last night. And I did something. You dog lovers, don't get upset because I did something I wasn't supposed to do. I don't feed my dogs table food. I really don't. I give them treats, dog treats, but I don't give them table food that every once in a while they look at me with those their pretty eyes and I'm like okay, I'll give you a little crumb (laughs) so I had a little piece of pizza I know I shouldn't have had it but I shouldn't have been eating it, the bread, but nonetheless I was and I broke it in half because I have two dogs and I went to give them the two, them each a piece my youngest dog was like, good I'm, I'm game, you know but my oldest dog would not come near the my hand where the bread was in my hand, would not do it. But she wanted the food. I saw her wrestling with it. And then she would, like, stretch her neck out to, like, get her mouth, maybe to put her mouth closer to where I had the bread in my hand. And then she would back up, and she would do this little twisty thing with her body, like, like she was really fighting herself. There was something instinctual in it that she could not take that bread. And I know what it was. I think it's the garlic. I know, right? I know. And she when she did that, I forgot about the garlic that they're not supposed to have garlic. It was a really small piece of pizza, y'all. So don't don't trip, okay? <laughs> but um and I saw she would do that when we were um when we first got her, I say we my ex and I, uh, my dog would do that with mushrooms. Like a mushroom, which I remember like it fell at one time it fell on the ground, and she jumped like not only did she she jumped like she jumped away from it. Um, so there's something instinctual in her that responded that way. I also think there's something instinctual between a dog and a human. And I don't... It could... Now, that could be from years and years and years of social... You know, us... Of the evolution process. Because maybe... Maybe what is instinctual is about... Maybe what is instinctual is connected to socialization. Maybe. Or... mm, Or... Or how we respond to the physical world. Not just the social world. When I say we... Humans over time. So it then, through an evolutionary process, it then gets encoded in us so that when we are born, we're born with a set of attributes that are beyond the DNA. I don't know. I'm interested in this, though. This is something that intrigues me, even though I'm probably butchering it because I don't have the vocabulary. I don't sound smart, do I? (laughs) So, I don't know how I got here. That was a rabbit hole. So, I think the Enneagram does a really good job capturing the historical self, the evolutionary self, as it relates to instinct. And I think when people argue that the Enneagram... We should look at the instinct first, and then the number. That's that's reasonable to me. I can I understand why they would say that. I don't know if I would. I'm not sure if I'm willing to go that far to say the enneagram. We're first instinctual, and then we're a number. But on because of this reflection today, I am going to start thinking about it. So anyway, getting back to this, um, I I'm just. I'm all over the place, right? Okay, but getting back to this idea of self as an illusion of oneness, we are think we're thoughts, feelings, instincts, just a number of things. But I, I got caught up in the instincts. And of course, we're body, right? I want to look at moods, like where do moods fall fit in? the idea of a mood. That seems, but you know what, moods are more temporal. They're more temporal, so maybe I'm not going to consider that. Dispositions. And in many ways, a disposition can be influenced by our cognitive orientation, how we do thoughts and feelings. But I think a disposition can also be influenced by those instincts. Now again, I'm a type 8, which is instinctual, so I might be a little blurry in in how I'm handling this word, instinct. I might be a little off. But nonetheless... And a disposition is kind of how we, excuse me, how we orient ourselves to a given. It's kind of like a, it, I need to study disposition, but it's kind of like a personality trait. How we position ourselves in the world and how we respond. That's what I think, but I need to go look it up. But anyway, so I just was thinking how we, all of those things do not necessarily link as one thing. And since I've been really studying personality theory, and since I have a deep interest in what we call the self I have been treating the self as a unified concept. And not only have I been treating the self as a unified concept, I have been fighting with myself to be unified. To be a unified being. That there was something in me that said if I, I didn't want to be disjointed. And I wanted all of these pieces, I wanted to embrace all assets of me, all attributes of me, and I wanted to bring it together because this is what it means to be me. This is this is the self of me. And in the last week or so, I'm like, that's possibly not true. There is no unification. So stop trying. There are patterns. There are patterns, but there's no unification. And taking this back to the job, because this is the perfect way for me to see this. Literally, three weeks ago, I was in a different job that was using a different part of me so dispositionally i was looking different now um, if you um if you spent any time substantial time with me in the past week um, three through um 3 weeks ago and you drilled down if you drilled down you would have seen a core part of me that was, that's still consistent. Like that has not changed. So maybe disposition is about presentation and affect. Hmm. Because dispositionally, I look different. I'm not different. But there's a pattern of me that is consistent across both jobs. But I have a different assignment. I have different positionality, if you will. And I look different. I don't know. But I think it just it just tells me the Enneagram is um, that type eight. What else do they say about type eights? I'm gonna go to my book right quick. Hold on. Okay, I'm back, you guys, and I'm I'm gonna reroute a little bit because when I went to get the book to go to the type uh, the section for type eight, I ended up looking at the inst it it opened up to the instincts, and since I've been talking a lot about the instincts, I was like, oh, let me read that. So I'm just gonna read a little bit of something. It's very short, maybe two sentences. Actually, this is just one sentence. All right, it's a long one. So here listen. Let, so here we go. I was going to say, listen up. <laughs> listen up, boys and girls. <laughs> no, here, here I go. I'm reading it now. Subtypes exist within each of the nine types, broken down into three distinct versions, according to how the passion of each type combines with one of three instinctual biases or goals that all social creatures share, directed either towards self-preservation, social interaction, or sexual one-to-one bonding. That's that section that says, it really breaks it down to passion and instinct. That's the language right there. How the passions of each type combines with one of the three instinctual biases. So the Enneagram. So a lot, oftentimes the Enneagram is about the passion as it relates to that deep motivation that someone said fear. Or lust, like those core motivations, passions. But I think she said it's passion plus instinct. They work together to create these twenty-seven types. So the nine type, the nine types based on passion. The subtype combines the passion and the instinct. And so there are twenty-seven types. And I just don't know enough to say, I wonder what other people beyond Dr. Beatrice Chestnut would say about the concept of an instinct. Because the way I look at it is that the instinct will not reveal itself in, in this framework until you talk about subtypes. Or is it that through her work, based on some others people who came before her, did they just go inside of those nine types and open it up to say it's really not nine types that based because of the instinct is 27 types? I don't know. It's also nuanced it, it, it really is. I think the whole point and as I start closing, Is that we are not one thing. We're not one. We're not just all thought. We're not all feeling. We're not all instinct. But... And I don't, I'm pausing because I'm thinking about this art. You'll hear me say the Enneagram is about our social emotional orientation. So if I say that My Age Briggs is about the cognitive orientation, I say Enneagram is about the social emotional orientation. But I'm wondering in this reflection. I mean, that's fine. But I think for me, I think what, for me, I don't know. I think that's important. I I can't minimize it. I think that social emotional orientation comes from how we've been socialized. But beyond that is an instinct. It's an instinct that we all have, as as she said, as social creatures. I want to say as living creatures. And the question is would you say all living creatures are social I don't I don't know that but I was looking at a documentary on plants and how plants have a social orientation with each other they have a social relationship with each other. that's all so interesting to me that's just so so interesting so Anyway, I think this the job is just lifting up one part of me. I'm leaning into it, just lifting up one part of me. And I think I have I've been in four jobs in the last three years. It it, it was it was kind of a joke, but it really isn't. Three organ no not three organizations. Yeah, kind of three no, I just have been so when I look at all the weight that I've gained, because you know, guys, I had lost over 20 pounds. I didn't, you know, last year around this time, and last year around April, I started telling you I started a weight loss journey, but I didn't give you an update. I got up to about 20, maybe 25 pounds. It's not all back, but it's. I would say if I if I lost 25 pounds, 15 is back. <laughs> And um, part of the weight is because I need a stable life, because I don't do the SE world. Now I'm going to switch over to Myers Briggs. I don't do extroverted sensing well. I have to really work to do uh, extroverted sensing, and uh, and it's hard to do that work when you're in constant. Change, and because I'm an Ni Dom, I need to see the pattern. Like in order for me, I relax when I see patterns. But until I see patterns, I'm on full alert, and I'm focused purely on establishing patterns. I cannot think about the SE world in terms of aligning myself and being responsive to the SE world when I am surrounded by data that has not been organized in a, into patterns. I just can't. And so hence the weight. <laughs> but anyway, I said all of that to say, Why did I start talking about my weight? Just because of all the change and in the changes of the different organiz- the different roles, I see different sides of me. And there's been this part of me like, You gotta bring it all to cool, are you really? Like challenging myself Is this version of you more authentic than the other version of you? What's the real you as though there's only one real me? And so what I'm saying in this reflection, there is no real me. Because there's no unified me. Because the parts of me aren't necessarily, they're not they're not in a system with each other now they respond to each other but they're not a part of a unified system there it is stop treating the self as a unified system actually i'm not saying that as a truth right now i'm saying it as an a, an idea to consider so i'm not i'm not like preachy stop treating no i'm just saying Let me say it differently. Should we consider the self as a unified system? I don't think it is. I mean, that's just what I've been thinking lately. And if we took it further, there is no self, it's an illusion. Yes there's a body that's temporary Thoughts temporary Feelings temporary Instincts temporary So in a temporary state Yes there is a self But I have a hard time looking at anything That's temporary as real But then we have to talk about what is real I don't know I've been all over the place in this reflection, haven't I? Oh, good grief. Anyway, <laughs> let's see how many of the things on the list that I covered. I know I did one and three. I do feel like I did a good job with covering one and three. Self as an illusion of oneness and three, the eight as a historical me. And I really didn't delve into that, but that... I think where I was trying to go in terms of the friendly and how I look one of the things I say the F is a beast a, it's a secret force but I think a social ache can be a beast as well because we look friendly but underneath that it that friendliness is fairly shallow it is fairly shallow I think as I've matured my friendliness has greater depth But at the end of the day, there's only so far down, you're going to be able to drill and you will get all the other, all of the common attributes of the eight. Like, like it or not, good or bad. What do we say? Good, bad, right, wrong or indifferent. It is what it is. I I knew an N.I. dumb who hated that expression. It is what it is. but I love it. It is what it is. You guys, if this reflection has any value for you, please give it a heart. This conversation about the illusion of self as oneness or the, the historical the instinctual evolutionary self as related, to, as captured as an instinct through the Enneagram, Mm-mm. as captured through the Enneagram as instinct. If any of that relates to the a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it out. I know I didn't cover numbers two, four, and five, but maybe we'll do that at another time because I'm gonna. It is what, one o three, and I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> I'm going to go back to bed. Um, but if if any of that, the self as an illusion of oneness, uh, the instinct the instinctual self as an as an evolutionary part of us. Like I said, if any of that relates to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about in this reflection, trying to find vocabulary from my vocabulary bank to try to sound, sound smart, if that has inspired some randomness in you, I would love to hear it. You can go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. Mm. Twitter, URNIDOM1, YouTube, URNIDOM. You guys have gotten a couple of likes on YouTube. N- I have. I didn't even realize it. I, they, they're not giving me my indic- notices. Like, I don't get an indication that I got a like. So I was scrolling through videos. i just like, like, for one video, I got a like. Another video, I got a like. But I was so excited because I hadn't seen that. And then Getting some like my last episode about feminism and bell hooks. I don't know who got that, but I got five. I got, I'm not going to tell. You, I got five views. <laughs> that made me happy because, like this, it takes a while for YouTube for any platform to really recognize that you're there and that you're making content and to start populating you and pushing you out to people who would be interested. And so, and because I'm not doing YouTube videos, but just doing YouTube audios on video on YouTube, I'm doing audio on YouTube. When YouTube is really about videos, it really it's just going to take longer to, anyway, thank you for those of you who've gone there and you've listened and you've liked. I really do appreciate it. Let me come back and give you your assignment. Hold on. If you gave yourself permission to be ununified, who would you be? Seriously. I'm going to go over an hour, because this is an interesting thought. If, instead of trying to say, like, how I go, I'm an INTJ8, right? I'm a black woman, I'm this. And all of those things are different sides of me, which is why I say it, because it's going to come through this project. But if you give yourself permission to be ununified, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to make it up. It's going to be a word now. Ununified. How would you introduce yourself? Not just to the world, but to yourself. How would you understand yourself? In an ununified way. I could name this episode about, I could ask you about instinct. Like, what do you do when you, but I feel like I've asked that question before. What do you do that, in what is something that you do that you can't stop yourself from doing? It's just in you. You cannot stop yourself from doing as much as you try. I've thought a lot about that in the last couple of years, and I love to come back and talk about being. That's just. I feel like there's a lot for me to talk about being an INTJ eight because when I wasn't in a good space, I dropped into an INTJ five, and that wasn't me. It wasn't It wasn't the best version of me. It really, really wasn't. When I was functioning as an INTJ five, and before I function as an INTJ five, I, I function as an INTJ one. But that was some. That was me. That was me in 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 my in my church days. I don't know. But I should think of. I should do a reflection on that. How the INTJ-1 differs from the INTJ-5 versus the INTJ-8. And what if I gave myself permission to be all of those instead of saying, I'm an INTJ-8. What if I'm an INTJ-1, I want an INTJ-5 and an INTJ-8. Because I've embodied those. Now, the theory goes in terms of the Enneagram that you are one. And I think ultimately I am an 8, but I can, I do really want to be honest. That there have been different times, seasons in my life where I didn't have a direct connection or a healthy connection with my eightness, and it was it it, it manifested and looked in different it looked it manifested in different ways. But nonetheless, this is not about me. This is about you. So, I, I your primary assignment is this: Who are you? Ununified? Really? Who are you? Ununified? And then the secondary question, which I've already asked you before, is what is something that you do that you cannot stop yourself from doing, even after you've tried? And this is especially for you rationals out there. Like, I'm more in control. Yeah, but no. (laughs) So, you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.